100%. And if you're watching, Lakeside Church stands behind the police department, the fire department, the emergency services, the Coast Guard, the Army, the Navy, the, the Air Force, Marines. We stand behind them all 100%. And we make no apologies for that. So every penny that we give tonight that comes in has came in. Every single cent will go back to the fire department of Denver. And um, they, they did a phenomenal job yesterday, so we support them. Turn your word this morning to Romans. We're going to be in Romans quite a few places. You can start in 8, then flip back to chapter 4 if you want to. But the Lord laid on my heart, or the Holy Spirit laid on my heart to uh, really preach so much. Not so much preach, but teach this morning and of, of, a, of a subject that uh, many may have an understanding um, but maybe that understanding may be limited. But it's so vital that we understand how the Holy Spirit works. And as a uh, part of a Pentecostal, we are Pentecostal, if you didn't know that. We, we, we aren't ashamed of that. But as a whole, the Pentecostal church has done the Holy Spirit no favors. How the Holy Spirit works, that's the subject this morning. How does the Holy Spirit work? The title, if that's what you care to write down, I, that's fine. But it's a question that many will ask, and it's, it might be a question that many have an answer to. But again, that, 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 that answer may be limited upon what they know, what they've been taught, what they've seen, what they've witnessed, or, or just how they were brought up. And so the question this morning is, how does the Holy Spirit work, and why does He work? And I, I want to first say that, that, again, in the Pentecostal realm, that we have done no favors to the moving and operating of the Holy Spirit, and we have limited Him only to speaking in tongues. Because we think if we speak in tongues, then the Holy Spirit is doing some work in our lives. I want to tell you, Paul was very clear about just speaking in tongues. We believe in it. It's real. It's needed. But the body needs to be edified. So to know and to understand the operating and moving of the Holy Spirit is definitely needed and it's definitely uh, uh, should be desired in our lives. But when you begin to understand how the Holy Spirit works, I can tell you as a believer it will change your life. And why will it change your life? Because your focus will no longer be on what you do, but how the Holy Spirit works in your life. It'll be on Him and the leading and moving and being guided by Him and, and will be truly about you. In Him we live and move and have our being. So, so we hear this term and you hear it thrown around the church realm a lot and that's walking in the flesh. Can I tell you that as long as you're here in life you're going to deal with flesh? I don't care how long you've been saved you're still dealing with the flesh. And you're going to deal with the flesh until the Lord returns. That's just something that's here. So don't think and don't get in your mind that I'm going to get saved and all life is going to be smooth sailing. We fact, we should know that that is not the case. But we hear this term walking in the flesh, but as well we hear the term walking after the Spirit. And in our lives and in our ministry, and we've been in ministry for over 25 years now. <laughs> We're getting old. <laughs> wow. But in just a few short weeks, we'll be here at this church for seven years. And I can tell you, thank you that's, I don't, there's nowhere else we want to be. Uh, if we could take this church and move it to the beach, that would be awesome. 
And if you guys would come with us, that would be terrific. But anyway, we hear that term walking in the flesh, uh, but also walking after the Spirit. And I think that sometimes we think we understand those just so we will nod our heads and won't, and we just go on. But, but walking in the flesh is simply us. It's us. It's what we do, what we know, what we think, our abilities, our talents, our power, our intellect, what we do in our own, our own nature. What we know, what we can control, the things that we have developed, the skills that we have honed. That's our flesh. Because we know how to, sometimes we are good at manipulating things to make it seem as if they weren't. I said this a while back, the Lord laid on my heart, and one day I may preach this message, I don't know, but we have become masters of illusion. So instead of us coming into the realm of the Holy Spirit... We try to bring the Holy Spirit into the realm of the flesh. We try, and and, and let me give you an example, especially you hear it a lot of times at the beginning of service, well, let's create an atmosphere of worship. If you're creating the atmosphere, you're working in the flesh. You seek Him. Seek Him and, and seek the leading and moving and guiding and operating of the Holy Spirit. I can promise you that He will change and yes, He does change the atmosphere, but it's He who does it, not us. So, when we try to do anything, when we try to create, when we try to manipulate, when we try to, to make something happen, I can tell you this, it will not work. Romans 8 and verse 8 says, So, so then that they are in the flesh cannot please God. There's no room for debate in this scripture. There's no room for discussion. It's very plain and simple. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. It's point blank and it's very simple. Meaning that if we are operating within ourselves, within our know-how, within our abilities, within our talent and our own skill, we're relying on us, we're not pleasing God. But you go to verse 9 says, and it's speaking to believers, but you are not in the flesh. Hello, church. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But but, but, but why is the flesh insufficient? Well, when you get to verse 10, here we go. It might flash up there for you. And if Christ be in you. Paul's addressing believers. If Christ be in you, the body, the flesh, the body is dead because of sin. Christ is in you, so then Christ is in you. And if you're wondering what BCPD, that does not stand for Bessemer City Police Department, which what I thought it was. But, but Dalton uh, actually designed this, and it says, and it means before Christ, police department, right, Dalton? But speaking before Christ, before you accepted Christ, you were under the law. You were under the law of sin and death. So, but now, you're in Christ, be, Christ be in you, so that body, that nature, that sinful nature is now dead because of, of, of Christ, so that nature is dead. The body is dead. 
The flesh is dead because of sin, but the spirit of a, is life uh, because of righteousness. So what once controlled you, what, what once drove you, that is dead. Because we also know that the word tells us in Christ we are a new creation, that that old man has passed away. So the physical body is helpless because of the fall. Trying to overcome by willpower is fruitless. It's fruitless. And it's exhausting. Most people come to church and they, they leave church because they've exhausted all means within themselves. Because they're trying to operate in willpower and in flesh. And ministry is, is easy to do because sometimes ministry becomes uh, redundant. Not, not redundant because of him, but because of us. Because we learn how to do things and learn how to program things and, and, and set things up. So we've got to produce more to get more. And that, well, that's just going to exhaust you. And you're going to leave, well, I'm just tired. So we exhaust ourselves, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So remember the word but. When the word but used in conjunction form, that word is used to introduce something that is contrary or in contrast to what has previously been stated. So, but, but Christ is in you. He's in you. So the, 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 the fruit of sin is death, but now... In Christ, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So now you are alive. So the term, hence, you're born again. We're born again. We're born again believers. So, so the body, flesh is dead. Why? Because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So to, to depend on or to try to accomplish uh, in and, and by our own we will fail every single time. You may succeed for a while, but you'll eventually fail. You'll eventually fall short, and then you're going to be like, oh man, and then after a while you get tired of failing, and then you're like, I'm just going to be, I'm done. This church thing ain't working for me. The church thing will never work for you, but the Holy Spirit will always work in you, and He'll change your life, and you'll no longer look at it as a church thing. Your relationship is in Christ Jesus, not your, not your, not your uh, uh, tag or whatever you want, your affiliation with just going to church. See, just going to church don't make you no more Christian than me going in the barn and calling myself a cow. It just don't work. I can move and, and everything else. I can even eat their hay, but I still ain't going to change into them. So dead never moves forward. Stone. Dead don't go nowhere. Dead sits still and dead just is dead. So it is the Holy Spirit. He alone makes us what we ought to be. In Ephesians chapter 6 verses, and we're studying Ephesians on Sunday nights and, and one day we may finish up the book of Ephesians. But anyway, verses 10 through 12 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Not in you. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. <laughs> that you may be able to withstand or, or stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not. Listen, this is key and paramount to, uh, to us today to get to understand. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm not going to get in a huge hurry. So, chew your fingernails for a while. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and, and against rulers and darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Your battle is not with people. So when your battle becomes with people and individuals and parties, then we're operating in the flesh and we become frustrated, we become irritated, we become mad, and, and we're just mad. But it's speaking of demonic spirits. And a lot of people make light of this and talk about, ooh, let me tell you something, the devil is real. And he's stronger than anybody in this place. And we and ourselves are no match for the enemy. So it's speaking of demonic spirits, but I want to tell you very clearly, a born-again believer, a, a blood-bought believer, a, a Christian cannot be demon-possessed. But a believer can most certainly be demon-oppressed, demonically oppressed. 1 Corinthians, <clears throat> here's why you cannot be possessed if you're a believer. 1 Corinthians 3.16 tells us that a believer, you are the temple of God. You are the temple of God. Know you not that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. That's where He dwells. That's, you're His house. But don't think the wolf ain't coming knocking trying to blow your house down. He's going to huff and puff all day long. But be wise, stay in the brick house. <laughs> stay in the house. Go all the way back into the Old Testament. They had to apply the blood of the doorpost, and you were safe as long as you were in the house. Is it okay if I, I mean, I, I hate to be too elementary, but this is the truth. So a believer cannot most certainly be demonically oppressed. Oppression comes from without. It comes from attacks in all kinds of ways, physically, emotionally, financially, every which way, every, everything you can think of, it comes. But I can tell you that oppression don't have to stay. It don't have to stay. The enemy desires one thing. He don't care about you. He don't care about me. He don't care that you're in Lakeside Church today. He don't care that you raised your hands in worship. What he cares is where your faith is anchored. So he's going to attack in every which way he can to get your eye off of the, 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 the Savior and to put your eye on the attack or the circumstance or anything else. And it's easy to do. Don't act like we ain't never done it. We're all guilty. Because I'm going to tell you something. If a tornado's coming, it's scary. But I can stand, and, and, and again, we don't have cable, so we watch the, I watch the same things all the time. And again, storm chasers, those, they're supposed to be smart. They're not very intelligent. There's no way I'm chasing a tornado to drive into it. The TIV, the Tornado Interceptor Vehicle. I don't know who, what genius come up with that idea, but they're driving into the tornado. Hello, newsflash, that's not very intelligent. But I'm running to somewhere. I'm, I'm going somewhere different. I'm getting away. I understand the tornado's there, but I'm not going to stand and watch it and be like, Whew. I wonder if it comes here, if it'll suck me up and spit me out somewhere else. <laughs> I don't want no part. I'm going. I'm leaving. So oppression comes, and it comes, and, it, and it's used by the enemy to get your focus, your faith uh, moved and shifted from somewhere, uh, to, to, from Christ and his finished work to somewhere else. 
But everything that the believer receives, everything that we have uh, from the Lord comes from Jesus Christ as the source. And it comes through the cross as the means. Christ is the source. The cross was the means. That's where the work took place. That's the finished work of Christ. So it is the cross of Christ that makes all things possible. Why? Because Christ satisfied the demand of the broken law. He gave Himself as a perfect sacrifice. You hear us quote this often in this Colossians 2, 14 and 15. Blotting out, He, Christ did, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us. It was contrary to us. He took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross. Christ did this for you. He thought you were worth saving. And having, and He didn't stop in having spoiled principalities and powers and made show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So while He was ascending to heaven, woo, to take the seat at the, at, the, at the right hand of the Father, because the work was finished, they were trying to stop Him. But I want to tell you, there ain't no grave. We sing, right? Ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. Ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. When I hear that trumpet sound, I'm gonna get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Listen, there ain't no grave. They couldn't stop him. So he made show of them openly triumphing over them in it. Why? Because he did it for you and for me. He took the handwriting of ordinances that were against us. Because before Christ, we were all guilty. We were born in sin. Why? Because of the fall of man. Yes, Adam and Eve messed it up. So, from birth, we're in need of a Savior. And He did it just for us, so that you and I could not be or should not be controlled by the law of sin and death. He saw something more fruitful that we needed in our lives. You were not born to die. You were born to live in Christ. You were born to die to, you should be dead to that sin and self. So John 3.16, we know this, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever, look at any whosoever's in here this morning. I love how good God is, how much He loves us. It don't matter what color you are, it don't matter your background, your history, your whatever. It does not matter because, listen, society will take those handwriting of ordinances. If we do something wrong and we have a record, they keep record of that. But let me tell you the goodness of God. He don't care because when you come to Christ, now you are just like myself. You're a whosoever that believed in Him. Now we're not going to perish, but we're going to have everlasting life. So my brother is my brother in the Lord regardless of what happened a year ago, or a week ago, or an hour ago. We're in Christ. I know I'm here to preach about, talk about how the Holy Spirit works. This we're laying down to the groundwork. So, so we have to understand that the cross made it possible for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. We're focused on the Holy Spirit. We talk about the operating and moving and the gifts of the Spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit Himself. 
So in fact, we can't even begin, we cannot even begin to understand who Christ is and what He has done unless we understand that the cross is the means. Why? Because if we get the foundation wrong, if we get Jesus wrong, Mike Muzzerall says it all the time, you can have everything right but have Jesus wrong and it's all wrong. The cross was the means. It was at the cross, at Calvary's cross, that Christ took on the penalty of sin, that He fulfilled the law, that He was the perfect sacrifice. This is why John said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He come just for you and for me, so that He could give leeway for the Comforter and the power and the Holy Spirit to work in and through the believer. So everything was afforded to us at Calvary's cross, healing, deliverance, salvation, everything. I can't, you can't stop the attack of the enemies in ourselves. It don't work. It's not going to work. That's why we, we preach Christ and Him crucified. 1 Corinthians 1 and 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them who perish foolishness. Because they don't understand what took place at Calvary. They don't understand that the cross is the means, but Christ is the source. But unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. Why? Because once we have received Christ, yes, the Holy Spirit dwells in you and He works if you let Him. We're not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit Himself. A lot of people think I don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in me because I ain't never spoken in tongues. Yes, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Yes, He moves in your life. Yes, He wants to lead and guide you. Yes, He wants to change you, correct you, to chasten you, to cherish you, to love you. He desires to make us bear much fruit. So the Holy, we, we, we focus, the Pentecostal church focuses on the gifts of the Spirit all the time. We, just let the Holy Spirit work in your life. I don't care if you come in here speaking in tongues, but if you live like the devil, it don't make no difference. If you're one of the rudest, most cruel and vile people, but you come in here and get your worship on and shout your shoes off, it's making no difference. It's telling me you are not allowing the Holy Spirit to change you and work in your life. It was at the cross the total debt was paid. The total debt for sin was paid. Giving the Holy Spirit in whom power resides. Giving the Holy Spirit latitude to work mightily. Mightily in our lives. Why? Because in us, Paul, in us dwells no good things in the flesh. Dwells no good thing. Nothing. So the Holy Spirit works exclusively within the parameters of the finished work at Calvary's cross. So now we know how He works 2 Corinthians 10, 4-6, for, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of the flesh. They're not what you can grab and you can throw a Bible at people and you can hit them. And, man. Listen, when I was young and growing up in, 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 in Church of God, I don't know why people felt the need. They needed to touch somebody with a Bible and it didn't make I didn't want to worship the Lord. I wanted to punch him. I didn't want to. But you come hit me with a Bible, we're going to fight. That's, that's carnal. 
It's carnal. You don't have to shake nobody. Church people, especially men, I'm coming down here to pray for a headache, and now you're shaking me. What, the, what are you doing, man? Just nuts. We have made a mockery of the Holy Spirit and how He's gentle. He's loving. He's kind. Thank God for that. And uh, listen, He'll lead you to pray for people and He'll tell you what to pray. Brother, what you praying for? Because I need to know because i got to tell so-and-so. Well, I came down here to pray that people quit being nosy and he must have sent you my way to tell you to keep it on your face where it belongs. <laughs> we made a mockery of the Holy Spirit. He's gentle. And no wonder people think we're nuts. Let me stay on track. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through, the, to, through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down... Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Hmm. This is why he's working so we can not do these things. We can not fight with carnality. But then you go, you go on to verse 6. I'm sorry, I, I was getting there. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What obedience? Obedience to Him. When I'm obedient to Him, He's going to take care of everything. I don't need to do nothing. I, I, don't, I don't need to do nothing. I'm going to trust you, Lord. And as much as within me that wants to fight, I know I can't fight because I'm not going to win anyway. I'm just going to be obedient to you. I trust you today, Lord. I believe you today, Lord. Well, brother, I thought you would say, well, today's a new day. And then, yes, his mercies are new every morning. And so was the tactics of the devil. I need them today just as much as I needed them yesterday. I need them more today than I did yesterday. Because, listen, that's how good he is, and he desires to do that. He desires to move in our lives and to change us. So, so, so we have to have a readiness to, to not us, to revenge all disobedience, but when our obedience is fulfilled, when we're obedient to Christ. So how? How is it fulfilled? By looking exclusively to the finished work of Christ. But the average uh, answer that the church will give you is, brother, I'm struggling. Well, pray harder. Read hard. Read more. Study more. Buy yourself a good study Bible. This is the average response of the believer because they are trying to give you carnal things to fight a spiritual battle that will not work. It will not, it will not get you or grant you victory. Well, plug yourself into a cross-preaching church. Lord, help us. No. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. I'm going to say it one more time, because we need to hear it. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Listen, we've got to have an understanding that the cross, the finished work of Christ, 
is absolutely the means. Christ is the source. And when we understand that the finished work is absolutely what it says finished, then we're not relying on carnal things and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in, his, in our lives. We're asking the Holy Spirit to come, but we won't get out of the way. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. But my doors are locked and, and I ain't thinking about you. I'm just singing a song because we're all singing. Don't try harder. Quit exhausting yourself. Get off the, the, the spiritual exercise bike. Get off that treadmill. Get on your knees. Start praising them. Romans 7, 18. I got to hurt. I don't have to hurry, but I'm not going to keep you here all day. Romans 7, 18. For I know that in me, that in my flesh, dwells no. I'm not a scholar. I did good, graduate high school. Yes, I took some Bible college classes, but I was also working. We had two kids, and I was working 80 hours a week, and, and I did good to pass Bible college. Well, I didn't have a computer. I didn't know what 12 font was. I had to have Ron make an Excel spreadsheet for me this morning that says sign up, because I don't know how to do it. But I learned that in me dwelt no good thing. Why? Because I'm worthless without him. That what was present in me, all that history, <coughs> all that heritage. Oh, you ought to be proud to be a Collins. I am proud to be a Collins. I'm proud of my family history. I'm proud of the heritage that is before me. But that didn't do anything for me. Because I was still struggling, and I was still working hard, and I was singing harder, and we would come up with new stuff, and I was still exhausted because I didn't understand how the Holy Spirit worked. Because I was frustrating Him, I was tying His hands, and I didn't let Him work in my life because I would not get out of the way. What I was trying to do was what Paul was talking about, that, that will is present within me, but how to perform it. How to perform that which is good, I find I can't do it. This is most church people. I'm tired. I'm done. See you later, alligator. After a while, crocodile. Church ain't for me. I'll watch online. I'll pay my tithes. I'll give, but church ain't for me. Let me tell you something. God didn't institute the church just so you could pay tithes, but so that your life could be changed. You are the church. Not this. You are the church. I am the church. We can't buy our way out of trouble. I'm going to tell you something. There's a song I shared. If you're one friend on Facebook, you know, you listen to it. It's called Trouble Don't Last Always. <laughs> Woo! Thank God for that. But listen, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to carry out victory in our lives. And if, if, if we will let Him. Again, Terrence preached a month or so ago or whatever, talking about looking at victory as past tense. It's already won. I just got to walk in it. The work of the Holy Spirit is not automatic. It's not automatic. Why? If it were automatic, we would never have another failure in our lives. We have to let them work. If it were automatic, I would have said yes to Jesus at youth camp when I did, when I was whatever, however old, 11, 10. <laughs> Actually, I said yes to Jesus at Chapel Grove Church of God with my mom and singing Amazing Grace. But anyway, I would have been good to go. But I'm going to tell you, I can't count the times I've screwed up. 
And I ain't trying to. Because it's been forgiven. But if the work of the Holy Spirit were automatic, what you got some people preaching, you're sanctified, you're good to go. <laughs> you ain't never going to screw up again. No, sir, Bob, that's not true. Sanctification is a process, and it's a continual process. We used to sing it to answer the question to that when I was a kid in children's church. He's still working on me, making me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me. How many times you sang that song, Steve? A bunch. <laughs> but that's the truth. Why? Because he knows you're worth it and he still desires to make you bear much fruit. So the work of the Holy Spirit, again, it's not automatic. If it were, we'd never have another failure. We would never have do another wrong thing or go the wrong direction or make a wrong choice. The Holy Spirit is God and as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives and in our hearts, we develop and we grow in the Lord as we should. Going from dependence on the flesh to dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Because then you won't reach way back in your repertoire. You'll be holding your hand now, Lord, lead me and guide me. Isaiah come to him and he knew I got something to say, but I can't say it because I'm a man of unclean lips. Take the coal, Lord. Lord, I'll, I'll do what you want. I'll go where you want and I'll say what you want, but I can't do it until you cleanse my lips. I can't do it until you tell me exactly when to do it, how to do it, and where to do it at. The problem is not the ability. The problem is that we lack the patience and the, the willingness to allow him to work. So God, uh, we, we, we go from that dependence upon ourselves to the dependence upon the Holy Spirit. It's the grace of God that keeps us even when we fail. So, but understand that the grace of God is given the same way that the Holy Spirit operates. By faith in that finished work, the cross. So we, we can know this, but the key to it all, uh, to the moving and the operating of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God is faith. Not the amount, but rather the object. You ever know something, but you don't understand it? Or you ever know something, you don't do it? I know that if I eat like I used to eat, I'm going to get back up to about 226, where I used to be. But I ain't going back there. The object of our faith has got to be the finished work of Christ. It's got to be in the, the, the finished work, the cross. The only faith that God, in fact, will recognize is faith in Christ and that finished work because that's the way He made. What He did for us. It's faith, not works. It's addressed in Romans 4. If you flip there, Romans 4, 1 through 5, and, and uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm going to probably... We'll probably be about 10 minutes longer than normal, but it's all right. Romans 4, 1 through 5, Paul addressing this, What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found? What has he found? What did he do in his flesh? For if Abraham were justified by works, he has whereup to glory, but not before God. Meaning that when you do things in your own self and in your own works and in your own flesh, you're going to do some boasting and some glorying, but it's going to be in you, not in God. So, for, for what says the Scripture? This is Paul asking, what's the Word of God say? What says the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. 
Now to him who works is the reward, uh, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him who works not, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted righteousness. It's not works. It's faith. We do works because of the faith we have. But the works ain't going to get you anything. It wasn't the work and the walking of Abraham, and it wasn't even the obedience to go. It was faith in the Word of God. It was He didn't have the Holy Spirit to operate in his life like we do. Then you go to, to, to uh, uh, Romans 5, and, and we're talking about justification. Romans 5, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore being justified, now you're justified by what? Faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're justified by faith and we have peace. And then you come to verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into grace. Now we're justified in Christ. And we're justified through Christ. And now that we have access to the grace to begin to work in our life. And the Holy Spirit to begin to operate in our lives. So wherein we stand... We and rejoice in hope and the glory of God. So now we have faith in Christ. We know that it is faith that, that will move in, that, that, that saves us and keeps us. And we're justified by that. Now that the grace of God, the Holy Spirit can begin to move and operate in our lives. Not justified in ourselves, but we're justified in the provision that God Almighty provided. So then you come to Romans chapter 6. Uh, we're going to be 1 through 7. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to skim through it fast. But what shall we say then? Paul's addressing the whole process. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Meaning don't, don't just do it because you can. Don't just, oh well I can sin. I'm covered by grace. No. Salvation is not a token for you to live, continually live like you desire. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! How shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? Meaning, again, going all the way back to Romans 8 and 8, you're dead to the old man, you're dead to sin, that law of sin and death no longer has dominion. We'll get to, it's actually Romans 6, 14, address 2. But sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because that's dead. You are now alive in Christ. So what is to be dead should not be controlling you. You're dead. It's dead to you. Know you not, verse 3, that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death. This is why that, that is dead. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. I've not only been baptized into death with Christ, but now I am also resurrected in the newness of life. To live that resurrected life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. But verse 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That old man, whoever you were, whatever you were, whatever, that old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be 
destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he who is dead is freed from sin. Are we tracking this morning? Are we on the same page? You're free from sin. Why? Because you're dead to it. You're now alive in Christ. So the, the things that once controlled you, that once were there, should no longer be controlled. They're, they're there. They're not going to disappear. You can turn off the... If, you're, if, you, if you have an issue with, with whatever it may be, uh, your eyeballs are wandering sometimes and you're looking at, at females, or, or if you're a female, you're looking at males. You, you can turn the TV off, but you're going to see a, a pretty lady or a good-looking fellow somewhere. I mean, you can't, you can't walk around like, like you'll be all over the place. That don't work. It's the Holy Spirit working in our lives to change us. Why? We sang about it this morning that I could be free Free from what? The law of sin and death. And I could be whole. There aren't, listen, in Christ we are whole. That's, 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 that's that word, parisios. We're peculiar people. We're not weird. We're whole. We're complete. We're surrounded by Christ so that we should not be. Listen, they're there. But when we're doing things carnally and in the flesh, life is going to be a struggle. We're not sinless. But they should not be controlling you to live this resurrected life. We must now or know how we're to live it. We must first. We've got to be planted together with Christ in the likeness of His death. Then we can live that resurrected life. To look anywhere else other than that finished work is called spiritual adultery. I know I'm covering a lot, but i got a lot of content and I want to get it out. We look at this and we, re re we will read Romans 7 and we're looking at the physical. We're talking spiritual, spiritual adultery and Paul's addressing it here. Verses 1 through 4 in chapter 7. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them who know the law. How that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman which has had a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he lives. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then, if, if while her husband lives, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law. So that, that she is no, uh, no adulteress, through, uh, though she be married to another man. So wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law. Speaking of the law of sin and death. You have become how? In Christ. You have become dead to that law. Why, how? By the body of Christ. Pay attention closely here. That you should. That you should be married. Now, I'm not going to talk physical. We're talking speak. That you should be married. What? To another. Whom? Christ. We're the bride of Christ. Who is raised from the dead that we should bring forth fruit <laughs> unto God. We were, we were dead. We are dead to the law of sin and death. Now we are no longer married. No, we are no longer in, 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 in relationship with, that, with whatever it was. We're dead to that. So now we are married to Christ. 
Now my devotion, my commitment, Summer and I celebrated yesterday 22 years of marriage, and it didn't happen by us just staring at each other. Though she is something to stare at. <laughs> no, it comes through communication and relationship and working and listening and, 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 and me paying attention to what she's telling me. being honest <laughs> but we're married to Christ and we're to be faithful in every respect when we look anywhere else any plan anywhere else any other place or we place our faith anywhere else we hinder the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives because we're in essence cheating on him because of the finished work of Christ the Holy Spirit can now work on our behalf because the debt of sin was paid and it's lifted and to those who that believe, we, we, we are, it is made possible for the Holy Spirit to come into the heart and into the life of the believer. Why? To work. <coughs> to move. So before the cross, before the, before the cross, the blood of bulls and goats, they couldn't take away the sin. They only covered it on the altar. They could not take it away. But because of the cross, because of now the Holy Spirit can function in the life of the believer. Why? Because now you are you are counted righteous and you are justified by faith because of the Christ that dwells in you. We are now the temple of God. That ought to make you happy, somebody. You are. I am the temple of God. It's no longer a, 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 a temple that has to be set up and has to be erected by man's hands and, and erected in a certain and particular fashion. And all of these things have to be done because Christ fulfilled the law so that now you and I are the temple of God and I can enter in anytime I desire because I've got the key and His name is Jesus. The Holy of Holies is in the car, it's in the house, it's in the bedroom, it's in the office, it's wherever because I am the temple of God. You are too. Here we go. I'm, I'm trying to wind down. Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. This is how he works. This is the way he works. Somebody got to get this today because somebody's looking at your past tags. I'm going to tell you something. It don't matter. It don't matter. It, 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 don't, it does not matter. There, there is therefore now no condemnation. <laughs> Why? Well, go back to Colossians 2, 14 and 15. He blotted out the handwriting ordinances that were against you. When you said yes to Jesus, those charges were dropped. Now there is therefore no condemnation. Now no condemnation. You are not condemned for who you were, but now you rejoice for who you are in Christ Jesus. You are blessed. You are poured into. You are poured out upon. Not so you can be a better you, but that He can change you so that you will decrease and He will increase. So there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Why? You go to verse 2. Because there's a law. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Now I'm in Christ. Now the Holy Spirit is working. This is the law. This is how He works. And it's the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. He has made me free 
from what used to bind me, what used to hold me, what used to trip me up and, and keep me all wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up. So to believe that I can go to a facility or to a program and I can say that I'm so-and-so, I'm a, I'm a believer, but yet I'm an I'm a, I'm a alcoholic. No, you're not. You're a new creation. What you're doing is taking the old man and you're strapping him back on. You are not an alcoholic. You are not a porn addict. You are not a drug user. You are not an abusive husband. You are not an angry person. You are not a, an adulterer. You are not a lustful person or whatever it may be. You are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am counted righteous because I've been justified in faith. So quit putting on the dead things. I wish I had about another hour, but I don't. We're married to Christ. We are to be faithful to Him. That law of the Spirit of life should be working in our lives. There is a great distance, and you've heard Brother Swaggart say it, and, I, and I, it stuck with me the first time I ever heard it. There is a great distance between the promise and the possession, and that great distance will most certainly be eventful, but it will take your eye off the prize if you're operating in a carnal mind. When the Holy Spirit works in our lives and He works through us, in us, and on us, that distance is still going to be eventful. But you'll continue to walk in victory. For the law, the Spirit of life, which is in the Holy Spirit, in Christ Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death. The fruit, the product of sin, is death. Period. The fruit of the Spirit is life. And singers, music, you can make your way. I don't know what you got, but I don't know if I give you this scripture, but John fifteen five. I may have, may not. I'm not sure. Listen, the Holy Spirit works by and through our faith, anchored in the finished work of Christ. The cross is the means. Christ is the source. He works in our lives to change us. To change us. Why? Right here, we've, I don't know how many times I've used this verse, but every time I read it, I just get all giddy. Because he says, I am the vine. And you, Bob, are a branch. You, Lynn, are a branch. Dixie, you're a branch. He's the vine. We're the branches. He said, He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much. An abundance. Much fruit but he goes on to warn us and he tells us for without me you can do nothing I don't know what you've been through you could have been through the, the, the spiritual gamut the roller coaster of failure 
where you can't believe you did what you did and you feel like giving up and you feel like throwing in the towel and I want to tell you something. <laughs> I love to watch boxing. I love it. But I also know that when the, when the boxer has had enough, the fight that's in the boxer won't let him stop. He's going to go out there and get himself beat to death. But he's got somebody in his corner called the manager. And the manager recognizes my boxer might be on his feet, but he's unconscious and he's getting drilled. And he's going to be dumb as a box of rocks if I don't stop this. Because he won't stop. That's us. We're not going to stop. We just, I can do it. I can go back. I can take another one. I'm like that good old watch. I can take a lick in and keep on ticking. Let me tell you something. Time is running out. But you get that good manager and they got this towel over there and it's a white one and they, and they throw it in. That didn't go too far. But they throw it in. He's gone. Stop. I want to save his life. This is what he's done for us. He said it is finished. I'm coming to save them that which are lost. I'm coming to free you which are bound. I'm coming to set you free that have been bound by whatever it may be. I came to heal, deliver, and work in your life. I've told you how by the finished work that's already been done for us. I told you why to change you. You can't change you. I can't change me. I choose today to surrender. I want you to stand in this place this morning. Whatever need you have, whatever fight you've been fighting, whatever thing you've been trying to accomplish or handle on your own, I want to tell you something that may seem absolutely contrary to what everybody else says. Stop. And give it and let the Lord take it from you. Surrender. Surrender. Surrender to Him today. Will you respond and let the Holy Spirit work in your life?
tell you, plead with you, to beg you, compel you, whatever word you want to use, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, today's the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Why am I telling you this? I don't know. You don't know. We're not promised the very next breath or whatever it may be. Today is the day. Today is the day of surrender. To those that are believers and that may be all of us in this place or, or you may be watching, I pose this question to you. What will it take for us to worship Him? To seek Him while He may be found. To be the hands and feet of Jesus. What, what will it take for us to respond truly in the realm that He desires? allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and on us and through us. What are we doing with it? If we are allowing Him and asking Him to enlighten the eyes of our understanding and we're, we're asking Him to move and He is, are we responding? And I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just asking questions. These are questions I have. These are questions I ask and that he challenges me with. 
How many more times will we pass the people in the store? Or the person we know that seems to be hopeless and not, not just reach out? What, what will it take for us to truly be a church? Because this is, this is just a part of it. To meet those folks that you never met in your life. And you feel like you know them forever. That's the Holy Spirit working. To love those that may not seem like they're lovable. Even if their agenda don't match yours. What will it... What will it take for us to be the church? And that might be that may seem hard, but I'm asking the question. Because I I I don't want to paint a, a false and phony picture, but I'm pretty sure that it's gonna get worse than what it is now. When we will run to him and not from him and surrender all and quit giving the enemy an ounce of our time because I'm not who I used to be <laughs> he's that good John he thought you were worth saving He thought you were worth saving. Why? So we can tell everyone we know there's hope. I know we say this, but even in the middle of the craziness, the best is yet to come. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, to work on you, and speak through you. Listen to Him. Respond. Don't push Him away. Even when you don't feel like it, don't push Him away. He may be just setting you up to be that ounce of hope that somebody needs and listen to him. Be the hands and feet that he's called us to be. Be mindful of those that are still seeking him and praying. I encourage you tonight to be back if you can. If you can't, find a kid and put some money in their pocket so they can put it in the bucket. I probably shouldn't open my mouth, but I did. I'm pretty sure I'll probably end up with mess all over me, and that's fine because it's very nasty, very nasty stuff. But be the example 
to those that are watching, don't send your kid to VBS. You bring them and stay. You want to be an example in their lives? Come with them. Let them see you worshiping too. We pawned off our children. Come, be supportive in their life. It'll mean the world to them. And mom and dad are here to watch me. My grandparents are here to see me. Support them. If we want the Lord to work in our lives, then allow them. We love you guys. If you need us, call us. We're around. Or we'll find somebody to be around for you. But encourage one another. Please remember those sheets out there. If you're interested in being involved with the media ministry, that's the, that all that goes on back there. Or follow up. If you can call, send cards. Encourage. Because I'm going to tell you, it's hard for us to do all that. And we have people that do it already. Don't get me wrong. But they could use some help as well. So remember, if that's you, sign up in those sheets and put your contact information so we can... I'm sure we already have it, but we'll know. We're going to set up a little meeting. But we love you guys, and uh, we will see you soon. Be blessed.